Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, as you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated, a couple of things to pray for as we get started. One, pray that I get whatever's going on up here straight. Uh, But also, uh, Martha Bradford said to pray for her and her family. Uh, So we're going to take a minute and do that. But also, there was a local young woman named Carly Lavelle, uh, who used to work at the uh, Interchange Lounge, who passed away. We want to pray for her family as well. So God, we lift up both of these families to you. Uh, Pray that your hand is upon them. Pray that you are with them and strengthen them, encourage them, give them the peace that transcends all understanding by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. So uh, this morning, we are continuing in a series uh, that we started to kick off the new year with, the Gospel of Mark. Um, And as we do, it's important to take note of the specific words that Mark used. And again, let me ask, how many people have read Book of Mark? A couple people. Okay, yeah. Uh, Hopefully you guys are reading along as we do it. Uh, And there's a reason why we call it Mark My Words. Because Mark used specific words that both challenged the people, but it also kind of changed their thinking. So if you have a Bible... Open it up to the book of Mark, because we're going to take a look at the way Mark introduces us to the ministry of Jesus, and we're still in Mark chapter 1. So just go to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one uh, somewhere on the table in front of you. Um, Now, if you've been here any length of time, right, what we're about to read is going to sound pretty familiar, because what Mark does is he introduces the ministry of Jesus with the same message that he started the book with, and a message that we have shared like over and over and over and over, I don't know how many different times. So hopefully this is all going to sound familiar to you guys. Uh, So in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14, this is what we read. In Mark chapter 1, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. That phrase, good news, the word gospel, uh, same word where we get evangelism from. So proclaiming the good news of God. And here's the good news that he proclaimed. This is what he proclaimed. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news or the gospel. Now the gospel, life-changing The gospel message that he went and shared with people wasn't about trying to fill buildings. The gospel message that he shared was about how people can live a much better life through their relationship with Jesus Christ. It was all about making their lives better, right? Now, um, drop down to verse 16. Here's what it says. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. That's Simon Peter, same person we know as Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat. Now, it's important that he's uh, describing who these people were, because in the time he wrote this, 20 to 25 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, people would have been like, oh, I I know the sons of Zebedee, and I hear people doing this all the time. Do you remember so-and-so that used to live up on the hill across from the store, by the this, by the that, yada, yada? And I was like, yeah, I went to school with their daughters and whatever, even though it was 25 years ago. You still recognize these people, and that's what Mark is trying to do. He's trying to make sure that the people he's writing to understand and know, hey, these are real people. These are real lives that were impacted. So when he got a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here's the thing. The message of the gospel in that day was something that people were willing to leave uh, their businesses and their homes and, and, and follow so they could be a part of. Now, not in a cult way, right? Because that's what people think many churches are today. They think they're a cult. But people were leaving their homes and their businesses, and they weren't abandoning their families. Like I said, they left it. Hey, Dad, you can carry on with this, but we're going to go into ministry, not just so we can you know, make money and, and you know, feed the community through our fishing business, but so that we can make the lives of people better through the gospel. Right, so here's, here's the question I have to ask, though, right? Because um, the gospel provides hope to people. It provides peace. It provides justice. And it provides righteousness. Not righteousness based on, you know, your political perspective or your community or rich or poor, but righteousness based on God's justice and God's unchanging line of morality of what's right and wrong. And it makes it available to all. So if it's available to all, then there's hope and there can be peace because we won't hear about all the injustice and the violence that we just heard about like over the last 24 hours around the nation. Here's the question though, because the gospel hasn't changed. Same Bible that Mark wrote to those people we're reading today, granted in our language. So if the gospel hasn't changed, why are people leaving congregations in droves because they look and say, well, I don't think the gospel can provide justice and righteousness. So they go to these man-made organizations that claim that they can provide social justice. And they abandon God's unchanging line of morality and justice and what's right and what's wrong. And why do you think that's happening? Because the gospel still provides hope, peace, justice, and righteousness. And here's why, just my opinion, I could probably back some of it up with scripture, but just my opinion. I blame the pulpit because many pastors and congregations have focused more on, hey, the gospel is something that can make you rich or make you something better than what God intended you to be. It can make you the point where you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. However you see justice or truth or righteousness, that's what God wants for you. 
And that's what a lot of pastors and congregations and denominations are preaching as the gospel today, but they're also preaching that, hey, we're supposed to, our focus is to get as many people into the building as possible. You guys have heard me say this before. You guys have also heard me say there's a Greek word for this, and it's called baloney, because that's not what the gospel is. That has absolutely nothing to do with the peace and the hope and the righteousness that the gospel says can be provided for people. And, okay, I don't have permission to share this, so I won't share any names, but there's a true story. It's just happened, uh, today's Sunday, it's just happened Thursday. It was a woman, um, who I only know her via social media, but she was talking to a younger lady. I, I don't know if it was a teenager. My indication was it was a younger lady, younger than her. And that younger lady was making comments that made this woman think that this younger lady wanted to harm herself. So the woman did the right thing, and she contacted, you know, the, the, the suicide prevention hotline and whatever, and, and let them know that, hey, there's a, a young lady who's thinking of harming herself. And the young lady got mad at her for that. So the woman said, hey, uh, rather than professional services, will you at least do this? Let me reach out to congregations in your area. And you can sit down and talk to one of the pastors there and see if they can help you. And the young girl said, okay, I will do that. So the woman contacted, she didn't give me a number, she just said many which I'm going to say like four or five. I don't know. Could have been 10, could have been 12, could have been four. I don't know. But she said she contacted all these different congregations in this area and told them about this young woman who was thinking of harming herself but was willing to talk to a pastor. And every single one of those congregations said, well, we'll pray for her, but we're not going to go help her because she's probably not going to end up coming into our building as a member of our congregation, and that's who we have to focus on. And that's not the gospel. What in the ham sandwich has happened to our congregations? And, and before I say this, I will say this, that, that before it says, well, what would I have done? I, I Probably, since it's a woman, I would have contacted one of you guys, you know, Bonnie, uh, Melanie, um, somebody, Beth, can one of you guys reach out to this woman and see if she's okay and if there's anything that we can do to help her? Or, and I've done this before, just contacted her either via phone or email myself and said, hey, how can we be of help? With the understanding that probably no time in the future are you ever going to step foot in this building. But that's not why we're here. But that's what people have turned the gospel message into, where the focus is on making, you know, the prosperity gospel. You can be rich. God wants you to be blessed. Or the congregational gospel. It's all about getting as many people into the building as possible. All right, drop down to verse uh, 21. This is what it says. They, before it was Jesus, now it's Jesus and his disciples. They went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, and I need you, if you have a pen, 
underline, circle, highlight verse 23 because this is important. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And there's a lot going on here. But here's the thing that we have to understand, right? Because I get lots of comments and lots of conversations from people who say, I walked into a, a congregation and there were people who judged me. There were people who mistreated me. There were people who, you know, laughed at me because I didn't have the right clothes on or uh, I, I wasn't dressed appropriately. And so I'm never going back. And there's two things we got to understand. First, just like that, not every person in the building is there to worship God. There was a possessed man and the verbiage that used is like, that was not his first attendance. He was a part of their congregation, which is why he said, have you come to do this to us? Because he was one of them. But yet he was a possessed man. Not every person in the building is there to worship God. And I'm not saying this about any of you, because some of you are looking back and forth at one another. That's not what I'm saying. But not every person in the building is there to worship God. That's number one. Number two, every person in the building that is there to worship God is on a different journey. Some of us are early on in our journey, right, where we're still learning what to say, how to act, what to do, how to treat other people. We're still trying to grasp onto that hope and that peace and righteousness. Some of us are a little bit further along. So we kind of know how to treat other people. We're welcoming. We don't judge. We don't criticize. We just share the word of God, right? But everyone is at a different spot on that journey. And we have to realize that when people walk into these buildings, and not just in these buildings, when we encounter people, whether it be at home, whether it be at school, whether it be at work, the things that we say reflect on us and reflect on God. And I, I I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm human. I make mistakes. I say things I shouldn't. Sometimes I get mad and blow up. Sometimes I say things where my wife has to be like, what in the ham sandwich were you thinking? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I, I, I should have said that in a better way because I'm still on my journey. God is still working on me. But that's everywhere. And, and, and the hope and the peace and the righteousness that comes from God that comes from us spending time with him. The more time we spend, the more he can work on us in those areas. Now, the next few things that Mark focuses on are specific to healing and making people whole. So uh, drop down to verse 32. It says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And this is an indication Jesus' focus was not on, hey, I need you guys to go out and tell people Jesus did this so I can get more followers, so we can get more people in attendance, so I can get more money. That's not what he was doing, Right? Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, again, that's Simon, Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, 
Everyone is looking for you. That's everyone there in Capernaum. Here is Jesus' response. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is, or excuse me, that is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. He made sure they understood, hey, you guys are my disciples. You're my followers. I want you guys to understand this isn't about us. It isn't about us growing a big following. It's about us going out to people and making their lives better with the gospel so that they can have hope and peace and justice and righteousness. Not just here in one place, but I need to go everywhere to share it, right? Verse 40 says this, a man filled with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. That phrase, strong warning, that's as close as you can get to a threat without making it sound like a threat. It's the equivalent of how many people remember when your mom used to give you that look that made you stop cold and you're like, okay, I need to take this serious because she's, she's about to, like, this is serious. It's that same thing. And here's this, what he said. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus wasn't trying to make more money. Jesus wasn't trying to get more followers. Jesus was trying to share the gospel, and he pointed people back to the word of God. He could have said, yeah, go tell people that I did this, but he didn't. He said, go follow what the word of God says that you're supposed to do, right? Because that's what we're all supposed to do. Uh, drop down to verse 3 in chapter 2. Some men came bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, you need to like circle that phrase, because Jesus saw their faith. He didn't see the faith of the man lying on the mat. He saw the faith of the friends of that man who were willing to drag this man up onto a roof, destroy the roof, and lower him down on the mat. Those are the kind of friends that we need in our life. Because a lot of us have friends who don't share our faith, and that's okay. But those are the friends who are going to try to pull us away from Jesus. They're going to try to pull us. And some of them, again, just like with the demon-possessed man, not every person has good intentions. Some of them just want you to spend more time with them instead of Jesus. Some of them want you to spend more time doing anything else but spending time with Jesus. And we need to have more friends with the level of faith that they're going to do whatever it takes to get us back in front of Jesus. Those are the kind of friends that we need to uh, hang on to. Right? Uh, now, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there and they were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming, and technically he could have been, right? Who can forgive sins 
but God alone, which was the point that Jesus was trying to make. In verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. This, this, is, this, is, this is the important thing. Jesus was showing them, hey, I want to make your lives better. I want, you to, I want to proclaim and preach the gospel. I want you to have peace. I want you to have justice. I want you to have righteousness. But you need to make sure you understand the only way that you get to experience God's peace, God's justice, God's righteousness is through a relationship with God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. You cannot have that while you have sin in your life. So when the faith of these people brought this man to Jesus so that he could be physically healed, the priority of Jesus is, hey, you need to be spiritually healed. You need to be in right standing with God. And the people that were there were like, hey, only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus weighs it out, and he says, which is easier? Is it easier to say, hey, your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to heal the man? It's a lot easier to say, your sins are forgiven. If I sit here and someone comes up and says, I've sinned, and I'm like, your sins are forgiven, I could spit that out all day long. I have no way of knowing if their sins have been forgiven, because only God knows the heart. We don't have that capability, which is why we're not to judge. But God said, I, Jesus said, I want to make sure you understand that I have the authority to forgive sins, so I'm going to do what you deem the impossible, which is not easy, and I'm going to physically heal a paralyzed man. Because if I physically heal him with my words, then you know I have the authority to look at his heart and forgive his sins, which is what Jesus did. Because he wanted to make it clear. Yeah, God wants to make us whole. He wants us to be healthy. But the priority is that we're in spiritual good standing, that our sins are forgiven, and our spiritual welfare comes first. Now, this is, this is uh, something that, uh, you know, we've just reiterated. The gospel provides physical, emotional, mental well-being, but the priority is through spiritual reconciliation to God. Anything else is like a false uh, a makeshift kind of thrown together aspect of what we could truly have. And that's not to say that doctors can't heal us, doctors can't heal us. That's not to say going to see a therapist can't help you deal with emotional or mental stress, they can. But to experience 100% full physical, spiritual, and mental healing, we need to go to the one who created humanity and has authority over humanity. And this is why Jesus said he came. He said, let us go else to the nearby villages so we can preach there, so we can proclaim the gospel. There's a difference between teaching and preaching. Teaching means I want to communicate this to you, and I want to make sure that you understand it. Might even throw a pop quiz there to make sure you understand what was just taught. Proclaiming means... I just want to proclaim the truth to you. 
kind of like what Mark did when he started, and he said, you know, hear ye, hear ye, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a difference. And Jesus said, this is why I came, so that I can proclaim the truths of God's word to humanity so that we all have the opportunity to experience God's justice, God's hope, God's peace, and God's righteousness. And this is, this is the amplified version. Looking again at, at, at uh, verse 14 and 15. After John was arrested and put in prison, Jesus came preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is what we are supposed to go out and share with other people and saying the appointed period of time is fulfilled or completed and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And when we think of that word repentance, it literally means to have a change of mind and a change of heart. Because the direction we're going, just turn on the news, as humanity is not in a good direction. The direction we're going is to be further divided, is to be further uh, differentiate between people because of race, because of finances, because of political division. The direction we're going is where more people are looking and saying, hey, because I feel this way, I have the right to take your life regardless of why you feel. And we're not going in a good place. But what Jesus calls us to do is to turn away from that path, whatever we were on before, accept the gospel, and move closer to God's peace, God's justice, and God's righteousness. And I want to show you what that looks like um, as the band comes up. This is the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Timothy was a young uh, pastor, and I believe he was in Ephesus at the time. And so Paul writes a letter to him. And this is what he says. He's kind of sharing his struggles, his testimony, and what God did in his life. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. He's saying, hey, I thank God that I'm now one of those people who goes out and proclaims the gospel to people. But that's not who he used to be. He said, I do this even though I was once a blasphemer, I was one of those people who ridiculed, criticized, uh, and made fun of people who followed after Jesus because he didn't believe or understand that Jesus was God. He said, I was a persecutor. He was one of those people that used to persecute people who followed after Jesus Christ. And he said, I was a violent man. And even though he doesn't confess to this, he is likely one of the people that went and did violent things to other people who had different beliefs than he did, by his own profession, a violent man. And he says, but I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and I acted in unbelief. That doesn't mean, oh, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to beat people up. That's not what he's saying. He's like, oh, I didn't know what true justice and true righteousness and true peace looked like until I received the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. This is his testimony. He was like, I used to be, you know, a blasphemer, violent, persecute people who didn't think like I did, might have even beat up a person or two. But now, 
that same passion I had, God uses so that I can share the true righteousness, hope, and peace that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, for that very reason I was sown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him. I talked to so many people who was like, well, I've, I've done too many bad things that God would never be able to save me. And what God says is we can save or he can save anyone who is willing to come through his gospel. So I'm going to ask you guys yeah. to stand. And we're going to uh, sing one more song, but I'm going to ask you guys to bow your head. God, we pray that as Paul said, that to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, that you receive all honor and all glory forever and ever. Because it is only through you that the true hope of peace and justice and righteousness are made available and they are available to any who would receive it. And for that, we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.